Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. You know, it's the thing that Jesus talked about the most. It's the kingdom of God. But yet, it's not always the thing that we talk about. We'd much rather focus on our own kingdom. So, which kingdom are we investing in? Ours or His? And what does it mean to build His kingdom? Sunday is our big commitment Sunday. We believe God has laid a huge call on our lives uh, to do something that's going to echo into generation after generation after generation, to create greater capacity for the gospel to be proclaimed, for kids to be raised in the name of Jesus, and uh, for good news uh, to impact everyone's lives. And so it's a big deal. And next Sunday is our big day. And it kind of all comes down to us committing to 24 months of giving. And, and, and we're going to know after next Sunday what that's all going to look like, what God's been doing in each of us. You know, I told you my story last week about the lump in my throat number that God really gave us. And, uh, he provided in a huge, huge way. And I can't wait to hear some of the stories from our leaders as our leaders go first. Leaders are going to be getting together this coming Tuesday, day after tomorrow, uh, to make our leaders commitment. And so uh, that's going to be a big deal. And I'm looking forward to hearing some stories uh, at that time. And then next Sunday, all the rest of us will be doing that as well. But one of our leaders that we'll be committing is, you've already heard from this morning, it's Ken Can. He's one of our elders here at the Orchard Church, and uh, he did the welcome, but I asked him to pass along his story to us this morning. So you right. go. Thank you, Take Pastor Steve. as long Steve. as you want. Yeah, and I just shared, <laughs> I shared with Pastor Steve this morning uh, before the first service yeah. started, and he said, hey, hey, you need to share that. Will you share that this morning in all three services? I said, yeah, yeah. And, but then I also said, don't ask me to preach because I'm not. <laughs> That's for him. But... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it, it's been so exciting. You know, when, uh, today's our, our 15th day of our 21-day journey. And on the 14th day, my wife and I finally got our final number from God. But let me tell you, let's go back to day one. So my wife and I were sitting down, and we were talking and, and kind of going through things. And, and she, says, uh, she says, so what, what's your number? And I said, well, let me see yours first. <laughs> and so she showed me her number. And let me tell you, I was embarrassed. I was challenged spiritually, emotionally, because her number was double what mine was. And I'm thinking, wow, God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing here? You know, Pastor Steve talking about that lump in your throat and your stomach. Man, I've had that for the past couple of weeks until yesterday. But my wife and I, after, after talking and praying about it, we finally had a chance to get together yesterday and look. In the third quarter of 23, God changed our life, our focus, and our direction in our home and, and with our businesses and, and creating a, a new business that we never even thought would even be going towards, especially when we were looking into those retirement golden years. And God changed it all. And so after we had a chance to kind of sit down and, and really go through and and stretch ourselves over and above 
what God is already providing my wife and I when we finally went through everything that we felt that we could faithfully take a step of faith to go after that number not just doubled but it tripled from where she first started and I go wow man I, I have that feeling once again in my throat and my stomach but you know what God's never failed us before and he will never fail us because it's all his anyways and so we are going to faithfully commit to meeting that goal and if not exceed it to the glory of God and so that's where we're at with my wife and I just to see how God after we've kind of sat down and we put all of our resources together but then see what he's going to provide oh my we're going after it and I hope that you as an individual as a couple that you're taking the time to prepare yourself for an incredible work that God is going to do through you because he's already done it through my wife and I mm. thank you. Ken thank you very much Man, that's just inspiring. That's just really inspiring, Ken. Thank you for sharing uh, that. So our leaders uh, are going to be going first on Tuesday, and then all the rest of us next Sunday, uh, pledging, committing to 24 months of giving. And um, mark your calendar for two additional things. Before our Commitment Sunday, we have our last event in our 21-day journey scheduled for Saturday. This coming Saturday at 2 o'clock, we're going to be having a prayer walk up on our property. And I'd love for all of you guys to join us in walking the property. There's going to be some directed prayer. You pray for this at this location, and you go over here and you pray for that. Uh, and I think it's going to be really good. We're going to, I believe we're going to have the um, corners of the building staked out, so you'll know kind of where it's going to uh, be and everything. And I just think it's going to be an incredible uh, time on Saturday. So that's one thing, Commitment Sunday, next Sunday. And then the other thing, I want you to mark your calendar for Sunday, February 25th. That's two Sundays after our Commitment Sunday. The 25th is our big right now reveal Sunday. That's the day when we're going to really just tell the stories about what God's been doing and where we're going and all that stuff. So I think the 25th is going to be a big Sunday, and I hope that you'll all join us for, for all of that. It's just a lot of big stuff coming up very, very rapidly right now. A lot of you guys have asked me, you know, what's your story on going to Wyoming? Are you going to Wyoming? Listen, it's really amazing. So our plan uh, to do the commitment day and then two weeks later the reveal Sunday, we kind of set that in stone back in the fall. And uh, then my son and his wife uh, got the deal on their house, and it turns out their closing date is uh, right after commitment day. And I said, great, I got two weeks. I got two weeks I can give you. So I'm going to be helping them. Uh, my wife and I are going to be uh, helping them get all their stuff together, taking care of their kids, whatever we got to do uh, while they get geared up. They're going to be closing right after next Sunday, and then we will be driving their vehicles and their U-Hauls uh, from near Opelika, Alabama to Gillette, Wyoming, uh, where they're going to be living like idiots. Uh <laughs> Why would you go? Why would you go to Gillette, Wyoming? Uh, it's cold. It's just cold and far, far, far away. Uh, it's 24 hours of driving, but uh, you know how cross country uh, 
trips go they don't go smoothly so be praying for us on that uh, we're looking forward to it sherry and i will fly back from there on that friday right before our big right now reveal sunday so um We'll be out of pocket for that one little amount of time, but I can't wait for Reveal Sunday on the 25th. So I hope to see you at that. Uh, but today, uh, I want to kind of come back to a verse that I keep coming back to. You know, all through this series, all through January so far, every Sunday, I've kept coming back to this verse. It wasn't planned. I didn't plan on this kind of being the key theme verse of this whole kind of right now thing that we're doing, but it has really come to be sort of the key verse. So you might have noticed that I keep coming back, keep coming back to this verse. And today, I want to start with this verse because it's really speaking into my heart and into my mind a lot. It's this astounding promise that Jesus makes that ought to change all of our lives. And you know this passage. Here's what he says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know this verse, right? It's so powerful. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you to you this is so profound and we all come to this verse with a different perspective but really even though we're all different all of our perspectives kind of come in the same vein right because we know the things right we know the things we know all the things that we perceive that we need to have added to us right you you know the things I know that you know the things. I know the things that I'm always coming to God for, always praying about. You know, it's health. There's a, there's a cancer scare, or there's a surgery happening, uh, or but there's sickness in the family. So it's health, or it's, if it's not health, it's money. Or work out our financial problems, work out our financial details. We don't know what's going on, but all of a sudden it's gotten really bad. So it tends to a lot of times be health, add the health things to us, add the money things to us. Sometimes it's family issues, family drama, family conflict, family problems. Oh, we got crazy Uncle Bill, you know, who won't shut up about political everything. Or we got uh, drama between mom and daughter. Uh, you know, it's always some kind of family thing. And, and I know, I, I get your prayer requests on your prayer cards, you know. Uh, I know, I come to your house. I know, you ask for prayer. It's around health, money, family dynamics. Or it's about traveling mercies. Can we pray for traveling mercies? You know, speaking of going to Wyoming, it's always these kinds of things. It's always right here. We're always asking for these things to be added to us. So, I mean, I know, I, I know, because those are the things I go to him for also. But here in Matthew 6, Jesus is really clear. All right, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the things will be added to you. He's saying, these things, yeah, they're important. Your family dynamics are important to me. Your money situation is important to me. Your health situation is important to me. Your grieving, it's important to me. All these things are important, but here's what he's saying. He's saying the things are important, but look, 
Get your priorities right. Get your pri- know what the main thing is. How often do we begin our prayers with our requests to God for giving us the things? Dear God, please help in this area. Dear God, please fix this problem. And how often is that our prayer and we don't have our priorities right? We aren't asking for the right thing first. We aren't searching for the right thing first. We come to him with our list of demands, but we aren't seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. Seek first the kingdom. So I keep coming back to this verse over and over again, and I thought it would be really helpful today if we actually asked the question, well, what the heck even really is the kingdom of God? I did a little research this week, and I found that the answer to that is a little bit controversial. There's different people that say different things about what the kingdom of God really is. So I thought I would just go back to the words of Jesus, because the kingdom of God is is pretty much all Jesus ever talked about. I mean, it was always his main topic. Everything that he spoke about had to do with instructions uh, or descriptions of what the kingdom of God really is all about. In fact, we learned in our Mark study that we've been doing that Jesus inaugurates his ministry with this great preaching thesis, this thesis statement of what he's going to be preaching about in all of his ministry. We find it in Mark 1, 15, where he says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Another translation says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. The kingdom of God is arriving now. So, He says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus is preaching about the kingdom and he wants you in it. And the way into it is to repent and believe the good news. Most of Jesus' ministry is all about this kingdom. In fact, you find in Matthew 13, Parable after parable after parable where Jesus is describing the kingdom of God or sometimes he says the kingdom of heaven. He's describing it to us. He's trying to help us kind of get our heads around it because it's sort of a, it's sort of an abstract thought. So he gives us parable after parable about the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is like a field where someone is scattering seed and there's different types of soil. Or the kingdom is like a field that's been planted with wheat, but there's also weeds growing up in it, right? Or the kingdom of God uh, is like another field where there's a great treasure that nobody knew about, but one guy does. And so he drops everything and sells everything so he can be part of that one field. He can buy that field. Or the kingdom of God is like a mustard plant, Where it starts off small, the mustard is the smallest of the seeds, he says, but it grows up into a giant plant with big leaves, and birds come from all around to nest in it. So he's describing the kingdom in ways that maybe, maybe we can start to get our heads around. It's hard to understand, but I think the clearest picture of the kingdom might just be this one simple statement in the Psalms. In Psalm 103, 
It says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established his throne and he rules over all. So for me, uh, the way I want to just boil it down and describe the kingdom of God, it's the first blank on your page. It's this, the kingdom is where God totally rules. See what I did there? Got some 80s lingo in for all you geezers like me. Totally rules, dude. Nobody. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, anybody? Oh, totally. Thank you, totally. <laughs> Wild stallions. All right. Yeah, okay. Somebody remembered just then. <laughs> oh, man. So the kingdom, it really is a little hard for us to get our heads around it. Maybe that's why Jesus gave us so many parables to try to describe it to us because it's, it's different, it's abstract, it's not like anything we've seen in this world. In fact, Jesus said it himself in John 18. He says, my kingdom is not like anything you've ever seen. It's not like anything you've ever experienced in this world. It's not of this world, he says in one translation. Here in the NLT, he says, my kingdom is an is not an earthly kingdom. It's not of this world. His kingdom is different in that it is eternal, right? I mean, all the kingdoms of this world, they rise and they fall, right? That's what history is all about, the rise and fall of all the various kingdoms of this world. The prophet Daniel, he prophesied, and he said that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these little worldly temporal kingdoms into nothingness, and his kingdom will stand forever. Later on, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, says that he, the son of the king, the representative of the king, um, was given all authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So this is not like any kingdom in this world. This is really, really different. Hard for us to get our heads around this kingdom. It's an otherworldly, eternal kingdom. And Jesus describes it, you know, on the Sermon on the Mount. He describes what it's like to live in this kingdom, to walk in this kingdom. In fact, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, really, he, he's giving us a lot of advice on what it's like to live in this otherworldly kingdom. You recognize some of this language that Jesus has used. He's talking about justice being done in a different kind of kingdom. So he says, you've heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Justice should be done. When a crime has been committed, justice must be done. But I say to you, in my Father's kingdom, he says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's how justice is done in this otherworldly kingdom. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, 
Let justice be done and let him have your cloak also. What? If anyone forces you to go one mile, then let justice be done. Go with him two miles. Give the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's okay in this kingdom. But I say to you, in my kingdom, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is talking about something very, very different here. In any kingdom here in this world, Jesus is giving terrible advice right? By any standards at all, this isn't the way you gain power. It's not the way you gain status. This is the way you lose all your influence. This is the way you lose all your power. This is the way you lose all your rights in this world, in this kingdom. Yet Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, this is very, very different. In fact, next bike on your page, this kingdom seems to be backwards, it seems to be backwards from everything we're used to. Of course it does. Of course it does. We all know the story that this world, this world was created to be part of God's great kingdom. And he made it, he spoke it all into existence. And you know, at the beginning, it all was perfectly aligned with him. Every plant, every animal Everything was all part of his kingdom, and he was very pleased with this part of the kingdom that he created. And he designed and created the pinnacle of all creation. That's us. And he put us here to do what he had already been doing. Right? In the Hebrew mind, we studied this when we were studying Mark, in the Hebrew mind, creation, the act of creation, is not matter from nothingness. You know, everything comes into existence. That's not what they saw it as. The Hebrews saw creation as order from chaos. Remember that? And so God's act of creation is bringing order out of chaos, bringing beauty out of chaos. And so he creates this beautiful world. He brings order uh, and beauty, and he puts us here, and he says, you represent me. You speak for me. You keep doing what I've been doing. You bring order and beauty and expand my kingdom. That's our role here. But what happened to that? What happened to that? I'm asking, what happened to that? Dang, we blew it. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. We chose to rebel against the king. We decided that his kingdom wasn't good enough for us and that he's not worthy of being the king. And so we thought we could make a better king than he can. And so instead of building his capital K kingdom, we decided we'd each build our own lowercase k little kingdom. And instead of bringing order and beauty to glorify the king, well, we are all hogging for ourselves to build our own little kingdom. And the result, instead of order and beauty, what is it? It's chaos and ugly. Look around the world today. 
All you got to do is watch the news. All you got to do is listen to a podcast. All you got to do is read a newspaper. And it is chaos and ugly. I mean, good grief, it is chaos after chaos. You know, if you listen to some people, they say the human race is getting better and better. I don't think so. I think we're getting sicker and sicker. It's chaos and it's ugly. It's not all aligned to God. It, it doesn't look like his kingdom. It looks like my disaster that I make. And so in any kingdom of this world, the logical conclusion of this is that the king would bring justice and that the king would do whatever he's got to do to restore his order and beauty. And so logic dictates that the king would deal with the treasonous criminal the way you deal with treasonous criminals. You eliminate them. You end them. That's what we deserve because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. But that's when God did something backwards. That's when he does seemingly the opposite. There can't be any forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So what he does is he does this crazy thing where instead of eliminating us, he sends his son to walk among us. To, to live among us, to teach us, to love us, and to teach us about the kingdom. And centuries before Jesus arrived, the prophet Isaiah described what this coming one would do. He says this, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's past to follow our own and build our own kingdom. Yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. That seems crazy, insane, backwards. That he would send his only son to take the punishment for my sin and that he would punish his son on the cross let him die in my place and then three days later give him the power to rise again so that he can bring life to me instead of judgment to me aren't you grateful aren't you grateful that God is the king of a backwards kingdom so he does this for me he, he sends Jesus to me and he turns me around backwards Right? He says, stop what you're doing. You're going the wrong way. Repent. Literally, the idea of the word repentance is to stop what you're doing and to turn. To stop and to turn. It's a turnaround backwards statement. You are no longer doing what you got to do to build your own little lowercase k kingdom. But instead, I want you to live for me. And he says, I'm sending my son to die in your place. In other words, next blank on your page, he builds his kingdom backwards. He doesn't go to the strongest and the most popular. He doesn't go to the wealthiest. He doesn't go to the most powerful. He comes to people like me and you. And he says, I love you. I love you. 
I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know what you were just thinking of as you were walking in the door this morning. I know what's in your heart. I know what's on your mind. But I love you. Come to me. Stop going down the road you're going. Come to me. He does this so backwards. Jesus himself describes it in John 10. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He does this very backwards thing of completely giving himself up to redeem us. In Colossians 1, it says, Now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he's brought you, God has brought you into his own presence. And instead of being guilty because of your shame and your blame, he says you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So backwards so nonsensical. Maybe that's why the scripture says that the things of God are but foolishness to the people in this world. In Christ, God is rebuilding his kingdom. The whole objective of sending Christ is to restore the kingdom that was stolen from him in the fall. And that's what he's doing now. So that's why we're building this building on the hill over there is because we believe that God is not just doing something in me and you right now, but he wants to use us to change the future. We really believe that. You know, if you look in the media, it's easy to find the statistics, the surveys, the interviews, the science, and all indicators are that the church in America is dying. Not hard to find. There's been a sharp, sharp fall off of people who identify as Christians. Almost no millennials do. Sharp, sharp, sharp decline in people identifying as Christians. And a sharp increase in people who have professed to be Christians but are walking away from the faith. Pastors walking away from the faith. Worship leaders walking away from the faith. Sunday school teachers walking away from the faith. We've never seen anything like this before, and all, all of the sociologists are predicting the death of the church soon. But I believe revival is coming. I believe there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. And it may take calamity, it may take misery, it may take great hardship in our nation, but if that's what it takes, so be it. I'll take a little pain right now for an incredible kingdom of God eternity experience, wouldn't you? I will trade off whatever's here for there any day. Praise the Lord. So he talks about this, I think, a little bit in one of these parables in Matthew 13. He says this, and it's not on your screen, uh, but just listen to what he says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants, and it grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. He's saying that the kingdom of God, it may seem insignificant now, 
It may seem really, really small, even hard to find now, but it's growing. It's growing, and it's destined to become something where people from all around are going to come, and they're going to make their nests. They're going to live in the kingdom of God. Don't you want to collaborate with him on that? Don't you want to collaborate with him in restoring the kingdom as originally designed by God in the first place? Well, the next blank on your page is this. We collaborate by building our lives backwards. We collaborate by building our lives backwards. That's why we love our enemy. That's why we turn the other cheek. That's why we give when we feel like we have nothing. That's why we go that extra mile. Yeah, we we collaborate with God in his great redemptive plan by building our lives backwards because we don't want to build our little lowercase k kingdom. We want to build his kingdom. We want to see him glorified. We want to see his name lifted high, and we want to see people come into the kingdom. Don't you want your lost brother, your lost sister? Uh, Don't you want your neighbor who doesn't know Christ to come to Christ? We collaborate with him by turning around and going in a different direction. It's hard for us. It's hard for us to grasp this because it seems so counterintuitive. It's definitely countercultural. It's backwards from everything you've been raised to believe. But Jesus uh, gave us this call, and Paul responded to it in much the same way that I hope I, I respond to it, that I hope you respond to it. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he's talking about all of the little K kingdom that he had built for himself. He talks about how he had gotten all the best education. He had gotten all the best positions. He had worked his way up the social and political status ladder. He had achieved the highest level. He literally had license to go and kill Christians wherever he wanted to. He had made it to the top of his game in that day. And in Philippians 3, he says, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I've turned around. Now I'm heading in a backwards direction. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. You got to actually trust him to start taking those seemingly backwards steps. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to, here's the backward statement right here again. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. You see that backward statement? I'm willing to suffer for Jesus in order to experience what he really wants in his kingdom. 
This is all why Jesus tells us. He says in Mark 8, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you build a whole lowercase k kingdom, gaining the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This is huge for us. And so I'm, I'm leaning in hard and, and I'm begging you to be praying this week, praying hard this week about how you could answer this enormous call on your life. I really believe for me, this is the biggest call God's put on my life ever. I felt like my family and I were taking a huge risk to start a new church in Ellijay in 2009, and I feel like this is even bigger. How will you answer his call? And it's not just about a building, but who are you becoming? You know my heart, that's what I want you to be asking. Who am I becoming? Am I moving down my own road? Going in the direction that my brain, my sin-polluted, culture-infected brain tells me to go? Or am I going to stop and turn and follow him? Am I going to do the opposite of what this world says? This world says, you don't have time to be involved in a life group. Plus, you know, boring, there's TV shows for you to watch. <laughs> this world says, you know, you don't have room in your life, capacity in your life to serve on a serve team. It's enough. You do enough as it is. You're, you're raising those kids. You're dealing with that family. You're working all week. You just need some time to rest. You don't, you don't have the capacity to be on a serve team. You need to chill a little bit. Really, is this who you're becoming? You're becoming what the world is informing you that you should become? Or are you surrendering yourself to him? Partner with us in all of this. Next week, when you get your commitment card, sure, there's gonna be, there's gonna be questions on there about are you gonna commit to the building but it's also going to be inviting you into partnership with our church where we love God, love others, and make disciples. We just try to act out, live out the Great Commission because we really believe that if we follow the instructions of Jesus, the commission and the commandment that he gives us, that he'll grow us and turn us into what he wants us to become. That's just the way he works. So my question for you this morning, my question for you this morning is which is it? Last blank on your page. Which kingdom am I building? Am I focused on my little lowercase k? Or is my life all about his uppercase k kingdom? Which is it going to be? Order and beauty or chaos and ugly? Glory for God forever or temporary glory for yourself here? 